do 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 cue intro music welcome back to sorry we're open i'm Lindsay and i'm jess and here we are why are you still here actually i know exactly why you're still here we're funny And we're back. Are we back? Or are we forward? Um, I, I, I don't know. That's an interesting <laughs> one, Lindsay. Um, I'm gonna just. I don't really know. Okay, we're just uh, here. Yeah, we, here we're queer. Well, I am, but <laughs> I think you've used that one before. Damn it, that's okay. We'll keep it in there because I think I'm still funny. I agree. Anyway, um, yeah, I think this is gonna be like a little bit more of a. A serious conversation, so I wanted to get out my uh, funny jitters before. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a little more off the cuff, raw kind of feelings. Um, and before we start, I just want to be sensitive to our listeners and give a quick trigger warning that this episode will discuss things related to sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence. Um, and things of that nature. So I always want to recommend that if you need someone to talk to, to reach out to a professional, and there are many, many hotlines online, um, and that those are the topics we'll be covering this episode just to give a fair warning. Thanks for that, Jess. Very professional. You know me. (laughs) And I just want to preface the fact saying that we wanted to focus on our experiences as women because we're women, um, we're not trying to discredit the fact that um, sexual assault happens to men all the time as well. Um, but we don't have experience with that, so we are speaking towards our own experiences. Um, but I just uh, we wanted to make clear that we are not uh, diminishing the experiences of men. All right, Lens, what are we talking about today? So. There's been a lot of unsettling news items recently, um, which is why we decided we need to talk about it. On Friday, um, the if if people saw the uh, an Oregon uh, University of Oregon basketball women, female basketball player. Um, basically had a viral TikTok where she showed the difference between the men's um, gym or workout room and the women's workout room in the NCAA tournament. And essentially, if you haven't seen the viral TikTok, the men have a full-blown actual gym and the women have 12 dumbbells and five yoga mats. And I think for me, I had a moment where I, I had been, I had had things building. Um, for people who don't know, Sarah Ever- Everard what is a, was a 33-year-old um, from London who went missing on her walk home. So she's right in her 10-year age range. She is a young woman who was walking home and was kidnapped and murdered. And so that had been weighing on me a lot lately. I I think something about the fact that she was a young woman in a in a populated city walking home. 
and that's something I do all the time, really kind of stuck with me. And when I saw this thing about the NCAA, um, it was kind of, it had been building for a while. And then the NCAA thing happened. And then on top of that, there was the horrible hate crime in Atlanta, Georgia, um, where eight people were murdered, eight Asian Americans were murdered, six of them being women. And for me, it was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and I was in the middle of work, sorry, work, and I just start, pulled out my journal and started writing about what it felt like to feel unsafe as a woman. And the fact that Sarah was walking home, like I do plenty of times on my own, I just had a moment where I was like, feeling so overwhelmed by all the things that I do as a woman that I texted Lindsay and I was like, we must talk about this on the podcast. I I need a space to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I 100% agreed with her. And then, you know, especially regarding Sarah, you know, I read reports that she was on the phone, you know, like something that we, I mean, I do as women and, you know, we put up a a question on the podcast um, earlier this week and a lot of women responded and saying that they do um, frequently try to talk on the phone to like deter, um, I guess, potential attackers. And so, you know, she did everything right, you know, walking on main roads and, and all that stuff. So it's just disheartening, terrifying, um, all the emotions and <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's tough so, being a woman. <laughs> yeah. And so I think I was raised um, with a lot of really strong female role models in my life Um, and with male role models who supported me being a strong woman. I mean, my parents raised me to think that anything was possible for myself and that nothing, nothing a man can do I couldn't do and that I had all the opportunity in the world to be as successful as I wanted. And I kind of lived... I lived in a way that I was like, I can do anything a man can do. And so oftentimes I, especially now that I live in Philadelphia, I have walked home alone. I've walked 10, there's, I have some friends who live like a 15 minute walk. And I always go up one street because it's the most well lit. And I always call someone when I walk home. And so when I, when we put this question on the podcast story and we asked, like, what are some things you do as women to protect yourself? Like, what are some things you do that you do so innately since, like, birth? And, like, it's just the way you act. And we, the the themes, the repeating things people said, the just the volume of responses. The amount of people who said that they will not walk home at night they can't go home in the dark. They won't, you know, they'll switch. They'll, they're, they won't wear headphones at night. People who won't exercise at night. Now I won't exercise in the morning if it's before seven because the sun hasn't ri- risen yet. People who said um, they switch sides of the street if a man comes up behind them to make sure they're not being followed. They constantly have to be highly aware of their surroundings. And look, don't get me wrong. I'm all for being a safe person. But there's a difference between having basic safety as a human and thinking to yourself, 
if someone started following me, could I run in the current shoes I'm wearing? Yeah, I think about that frequently. And even even when I'm like actually like going out for a run, I'm like, oh my God, am I going to have enough energy to like outrun someone if they were to come up behind me? Like I think about that all the time. And, and I'm only going to think about it more now that, you know, I'm moving out of my parents' house into the city. Like I, I can't even imagine. And, you know, I, I do things differently in white suburbia than I'd probably do in New York City. And so I just, I just hearing, you know, what everyone has to say, has to, what everyone had to say was, it was tough because like we all do this and (laughs) it's like, why do we have to do this? I I don't even, it's hard for me to even find the words to accurately express how I'm feeling because it's, it's, it's tough. (laughs) I mean, for me, it feels like most of these things I'd at least heard before and most of them I do them myself, but we had a one someone said, you know, when I get in my car, I check the backseat to make sure nobody's in it or that it hasn't been tagged by sex traffickers. I have to physically search my car every time I get it and I make sure I lock the door immediately upon getting in it. And we had people who said they have trained themselves to take their keys out of their purse before they walk out of a store, no matter what time of day. So, so that yeah, that they don't have to spend extra time standing in the open. And we're talking about living in a wealthy, developed country and people are holding keys between their hands so they could potentially stab someone who tried to grab them on the street. That's so frequent that we had over 10, 15 people include, I carry my keys between my fingers or I carry mace when I run. Or I keep a can of pepper spray on my keys. Like, that's nuts Yeah. to say that that many people. I mean, we all know someone who was gifted pepper spray as a funny going to college gift. Yeah, but it's, it's not funny because, like, I've known people who have actually used pepper spray, which is a terrifying thought. Um, like, some other responses were, you know, like checking for cameras and stairwells. Like, uh, honestly, that's not something that I'd even thought about. And now that's something that I'm going to think about for the rest of my life. Um, And and then there was one, um, you know, walking past the police station on campus when they were under 21 because they'd rather be arrested than, you know, be alone in the dark or possibly like, you know, anything happened to them then. They'd rather be arrested. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I, I, so after me and Lindsay had this initial conversation, I was actually in New York visiting some of my friends. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go on a, I'm going to go on a run. I'm going to go run out feeling this frustration. I ran over four miles and was catcalled four times. Were you really? One for each mile. (laughs) Fuck. And, innately every single time I was catcalled no matter what the and mind you I'm looking like a thumb I'm in the middle of running four miles it's not my best look every single time I had no reaction when a man was like 
sweetheart, come on over. I want to see those leggings off of you. I did not even change my facial expression. You can't. Because, like, you never know how to react. Because, like, if you talk back to them, they're like, oh, you're such a bitch. Oh, you're, like, such this, that, and the other thing. And you never know, like, how they're going to react and how they're going to send them off. You can't react to that as much as it oh my god I like want to strangle that guy like I didn't know that when I saw you but I mean the amount of times that I've had whether it's running walking down the street by myself in the middle of the day like the amount if I had a dollar for every sexual cat call I've received since I was a, a child we're not talking this has just happened in the last five years of my life since I was like Hit puberty. It's all of a sudden like men cat call you on the street all the time. And it's not some like fun thing that happens occasionally. I can think of many instances where me or my friends have been cat called on the street. And I was taught you do not react. You do not react. This man could say the most vile thing about me and I would have no reaction because you know what's worse than his words is his violence. And no part of me wants to be on the other end of that. And that's horrific that you know i grew up believing that my voice has power but in certain situations we i have determined that in order to be safe i should not speak yeah (laughs) you can't the things you you need to be so wary of it's you know hard ever to feel relaxed and i mean and I think we're, we're taught all these things like don't put your drink down. Don't give your drink to a friend. Cover the cover your drink. Cover your drink. Don't, don't drink too much. Don't, you know. Don't, don't wear too little. I think since we talked about doing this episode, I have been doing a lot of reading and listening to podcasts. And today I listened to a podcast um, with Chanel Miller who – was the woman who was sexually assaulted by Brock Turner. And she said something in the podcast. I'm going to be honest. That was the first time I ever heard her name was when you sent that, um, you sent that to me. And how horrible is that? Yeah, bad. That like, she, she was turned into the woman who was assaulted behind the dumpster. She was Emily Doe. And then Brock Turner, who assaulted her behind the dumpster, but well, he was a good swimmer with good he swimming class. Oh, my God. He had such a future ahead of him. He got three months in jail. Three. He, that, those were for three felony counts, three months in jail. And something she said on this podcast was, in our society, we villainize women about why they've been assaulted. And we humanize the men who have been the assailants. So Brock Turner was this fantastic college freshman who just made a bad choice. But he was a great swimmer with great swimming times. And he had such a potential future in front of him. Like, oh, my God, all the things he could have done. And she was a a drunk, slutty. um, She was, you know, putting herself all on him. She asked for it. She was wearing too little. She was wearing a cardigan. And, 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 like, people get 
sexually assaulted wearing anything like anything and it uh, i know i i know where you're like going with this and it's just it's so frustrating because it's never i i know society like victimizes women but it's it's never on the victim of the sexual assault because it doesn't matter how much you're wearing how much you drank no one deserves to get assaulted and if you if you ever if you ever have the time i would implore people to listen to her victim impact statement that she read and the first time she named herself in court she read a pretty long victim impact statement and i re-listened to it today and cried my eyes out when she talks about this one point where because she was drunk and doesn't remember anything that they that Brock Turner's lawyer tried to make the whole thing about how, oh, she can't remember anything, so Brock writes this narrative. So they would ask her all these questions. What did she eat? What did she drink before she left? Did she dance with him at the party? Did she touch him at the party? Did she kiss him at the party? None of that is relevant. He assaulted her behind a dumpster while she was unconscious. She, it, it's The rest is irrelevant. And the fact that we live in a world where we, where society has decided, well, this woman is saying this happened to her and it's going to damage a quote-unquote kind boy. Like, I am horrified every single time I read the news and someone describes a sexual predator or a rapist as a kind guy, a good guy. He just had a lapse in judgment. A lapse in judgment, a lapse in judgment is like forgetting to put away my yogurt or forgetting to load my dishes. I didn't, it's not raping someone behind a dumpster. When they're unconscious. It's horrifying. It is literally horrifying that we live in a society where I cannot feel safe walking home five blocks. Yeah. And it's also encouraged, though, by other guys. Yeah. Multiple times I, I've i heard stories of guys saying to their friends, like, oh, like, oh, she's, like, really drunk. You should, like, totally go hook up with her. She's, like, never – she never gets this drunk kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I was given permission to share this story. Um, but a friend of mine who is still in college um, called me last week, and she – said that she had gotten really drunk and but like but like too drunk for how much she had drank so she was concerned that something had happened and but essentially she was you know put to bed in her guy friend's house in one of his roommate's rooms who she had apparently been flirting with or maybe and had kissed before and so she gets put to bed or whatever and this boy who was raised right comes back downstairs with a pillow from his room. He's saying, I'm going to sleep on the couch. All the boys in the living room were like, why are you not in bed with her? Why are you not in bed with her? Like, she's so drunk, go cuddle with her. She's so drunk. Like, she's so drunk, go get in bed with her. It's disgusting. Like, why is that the culture we have created? What, that, that, I, that I am some object for your like for to for you to use and these aren't strangers these are people she knows 
How are you supposed to feel safe in an environment where people clearly don't have your safety at mind and are I just like have no words and then she, this is two weeks later she's telling me this and I have no words now yeah and it's it's people you know and and that's the scary part and you know even if even if it's not someone you know it's you know one of your guy friends knows someone or has heard at least we all kind someone. of like repulsive language that encourages this behavior and yeah. and you know nothing's been said about it because <laughs> where's the accountability like, well because you're either a prude or a slut Lindsay. you either run around wearing no clothes asking for it or you're an uptight prude there's no in between and then either way you get assaulted so because one in five women, one in five women will be a victim of attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. One in five women will be sexually assaulted. My group of friends from high school is five people. So statistically, one in five of us. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a disgustingly high number. And... 97 percent 97 percent 97 out of 100 women will be sexually harassed in their lifetime it's probably easier it's it, it's like i wish i had a comparison statistic for what it's easier to do than not get sexually harassed that is a staggering number and it has been that staggering for years. This is not like it just peaked to this year. It has been that staggering. And we do, there's nothing happening. No, there's nothing happening. There's no accountability because people accuse women of lying all the time. Oh, she made it up. So because like he has money or he's rich and famous or whatever the reason is. She's lying. We don't believe her. And then, you know, goes to court. I think there, I wish I had the numbers on me, but like the amount of false accusations are like literally one in a hundred. The amount of actual convictions of these assailants is like 6%. It's like so low. It's ridiculously low. There's no accountability. And so, and, and boys, like guy friends, they don't, they don't hold each other accountable. The law doesn't hold them accountable. Who the fuck is going to stop them from doing what they want to do with us? I watched a TED Talk recently by Jackson Katz. Um, and it's I would it's a 17-minute watch, and I would really recommend it to everyone. And it says it's, it's entitled Violence Against Women. It's a men's problem. And it essentially talks about a lot of things we've talked about here that we have completely removed men from this equation so it talks a lot about language when someone is assaulted it's you know john assaulted jane but very quickly it turns into jane is in a is a battered woman or or jane was raped completely and utterly removing the man or the assailant from the equation 
and we completely removed that accountability. And we actually wanted to play um, something that someone sent me today that is about that accountability issue. I knew this man for eight years and he fucking did it. There are monsters amongst us and they look like us. If you are sick of the narrative that is currently going on about men, feel free to change it, but you have to get involved. Don't make the same mistake I did for years, which was just sitting back and be like, well, I'm not part of the problem, therefore I must be part of the solution, because that's just not how this fucking shit works. I believe and deep down I know that most men of good, of course we are, but when one in ten men are shit and the other nine do nothing, they might as well not fucking be there. Being good on the inside counts for absolutely fuck all. You have to actively be good and get involved. Instead of having this fucking hero complex of being like, I'm going to beat up a rapist, fucking prevent one, stop one, because I know it can be done because I know how I fucking failed at it. Because if I'm being 100% honest with myself, were there signs in my friend's behavior over the years towards women that I ignored? The answer is yes. And then he raped my friend and that's on me until the day I die. Talk to your fucking boys. And that, that quote that, you know, that one in 10 men will commit an act of sexual assault. So one in five women will be raped and one in 10 men will commit an act of sexual assault. But if the other nine do nothing, they might as well have done it too. I would really implore any of the men listening or any of the women listening who have close male friends what are we doing about it? Like, really, what are we doing about it? Because people want to trend not all men, which has the fucking exact same all lives matter bullshit, okay? The people who go to that boardroom meeting absolutely wrote the not all men bullshit. Not all men. But we don't know, we don't know which men. We don't know which men it is. It's not, you know, it's, it's not all men. But, in, but until we know which men it is, it's all men. We need to, we need to protect ourselves. So that's what we need to tell ourselves. It's, it's all men because for all intents and purposes it is because we don't know which ones they are because apparently they're our friends or they're supposed to be our friends. And Yeah. I mean, that, that accountability piece for me, the fact that I would really implore you to think about what do you do when you're in a room of all men and there's no women present? How do you speak about the women you know and the women you don't know? Because that is all contributing to this culture that makes certain, that makes the one in 10 believe that they can treat me like I have no rights, that I am a literal sex object. What are you doing in that room when there are no women present? And what can we do? And I'm not saying in any way that I'm accountable for the men in my life. And that I, let me rephrase. I'm not saying in any way that I'm in charge of making the men in my life give a shit about this. But I've ignored a lot of insensitive comments that now reflecting I wish I had called out because I'm allowing that culture to continue especially in college, especially in college where sex, you're 76% of those 
um, one in five sexual assaults happen before the age of 25. So they're primarily happening right smack in those college years. And I mean, we've talked about it on episodes before, but some of the toxic parts of college and, you know, what? Nothing's happening. And this is happening at such an alarming rate. It's like, it's shell-shocking to me how we are still doing nothing, that nothing is happening, that we're not, we're not teaching anyone to be more accountable for that. We're not teaching men to be more accountable for their actions. Why do I have to carry a gun? Why is that the solution? Why? Well, I have a concealed carry permit. Maybe you should get one. I don't want to have to carry a gun to protect myself to walk 10 minutes home in a city I live in. Why should I have to carry a gun? Why should I have to carry a knife or a pepper spray? Why don't we teach men not to attack women? Why isn't that the solution? Why is the solution that I should fucking carry a gun? I don't know. I feel like we've kind of been shouting into the void. Like, just in general, for the past several years, like, you know, don't... It's it's not teach your girls to dress more appropriately. It's teach your boys how to fucking act and how to respect women and people in general, just how to respect people and not to like act cool and fratty in front of your guy friends. And, and you know, like why is disrespecting women like a cool thing? Like what? what? You all have women you love. You all have women you love and you would never want, I wrote my journal. But can I, can I just say something? Because I, I, the sentiment that men have to respect women because there are women in their life rubs me the wrong way because they should just respect women, period. You're right, Lindsay. (laughs) You're so right. So anyway, your journal. No, your point is more important than that because I, in my journal, wrote, don't you, don't you care about the women in your life? Would you want people to talk about them like that? But a stranger should respect me on the street because I'm a human being, not because they have a woman in their life they care about. Uh, and I think that one, one um, DM we got that really, really impacted me Um, was someone DM'd us and said that they believe that their college experience was incredibly impacted by, you know, the fear of that that sexual assault happening to them and that, you know, what they wrote was, I really feel – like, the biggest difference was made around drinking itself. My father repeated to me many times that you are most likely to be sexually assaulted during the first six weeks of college and just to steer clear during those six weeks of drinking in the party scene. Because of that, I just really didn't jump into the party scene at school. And then I never really joined it. And then I didn't really start going out regularly at all. Now it still was just a drink or two on, scene, um, on Thursday nights. And, really, and it's because I didn't feel safe to let my guard down. And it really didn't seem worth the risk. And I think that if I was a guy, my time at school and my drinking habits and my social life would have been a lot different. Her whole college trajectory changed. 
because of those fear, that fear in that red zone of the first six weeks of college, you know, that statistic that that's when you're most likely to get sexually assaulted and it's because you've been drinking. Like, I just think about all the things that I may have, I've never really thought about that. I've never really thought like, okay, like I do all these things that they feel innate. I've never really thought about like what things in my life are different because of those fears because I'm a woman and I think that her comment really resonated with me about how there are things in my life that are different and things that could have happened that didn't happen because of that and they might not just be involving social life I think sometimes like there even though I was raised to be the strong woman I think that you know I had someone tell me that like I couldn't how could I get a PhD like I'm a girl like, how could I enjoy sports or do both because I'm a girl? And those are different from what we're talking about today. But those impact your, can impact your trajectory if you let them. And maybe I did in ways I haven't thought about. Yeah, I think it definitely requires a little bit of further self-reflection. But it's, it's just to think that things could have been different, four years could have been different, however long you know maybe since you started caring about you know how you look when you were 15 years old but how how things could have been different had you not been trying to protect yourself in in heightened ways not just in the normal protect yourself ways but in heightened ways because you knew what could happen if you didn't yeah and I think I've started to notice especially things we've been talking about this more and someone echoed my sentiments was that someone wrote i had a revelation recently i was not always like this i was not always afraid of the dark but time and time again i dared to be just a little carefree and trust the world will look out for a young woman like me i have had measurably dangerous toxic and frightening interactions with men And recently, I've noticed in myself that I've been really paranoid. Even in daylight walking home, I've been paranoid. And that comment really hit me because she said that so much of my mind is preoccupied by precautions I take every same day. I'm sorry. My mind is preoccupied by precautions I take every single day that are liberties that are afforded to men by virtue of being a man and it was not always this way but the patriarchy absolutely tries to keep women in their place and in fear and i'm no exception i am much more afraid of men than i was when i was younger and i do not think i'm safer i mean that's people talking today people who are in our circles people who or in our colleges, people don't, people don't feel safe. And we use excuses, like the amount of times I've told people I have a boyfriend, when I absolutely, under no circumstances, have a boyfriend. And someone wrote, I tell people I have a boyfriend because I know that a man will respect another man. He doesn't know more than he'll respect a woman. Yeah, 
and I and I I've seen that play out multiple times. You know, you say you're not interested, you're not interested, and you're not interested, you know, to a sleazy guy at a bar and then they're like, Oh, come on, come on. Man. And then as soon as you say, Oh, I have a boyfriend, they're like, Oh, okay. And they kind of back away. And it's just <sighs> repulsive. I like I'm running out of Adjectives, adjectives for yeah, adjectives for disgusting and horrified. Um, yeah. And like, look, I know someone is listening out there thinking that I'm this crazy feminist on my soapbox. We hate all men. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> and if you're taking that message, maybe, just maybe, you could either A take a hike or B. Just think about it for a second. Um, I was going to say, or C, you're part of the problem. You're right, Lindsay. You're part of the problem. You're part of the problem if you don't think this is a problem. Right. But I think that, yeah, so if you think this is not a problem, you are part of the problem. And I would really, really implore you to listen to the women around you. A good friend of mine who I, I won't call out because I don't know if – I didn't ask if I could read his text. <laughs> so naturally speaking, there's always somebody who has an opinion that's a little tone deaf. And so I was, I was sharing that tone, <laughs> I was sharing that tone deaf opinion with one of my guy friends. And he replied with, this is just another example of a man inserting himself into a situation where it might be better to listen than to assert your reality as a more correct version of the lived experience of women. Chill. I, like, why can't women, like, why can't we have our experiences? Like, even the shitty ones. Like, I don't understand. We're not implying that safety isn't important for all humans. We're just saying that. My experience walking alone home on the street might be a little different than someone, than a man. It just, it, it just might be. It is. It is, period. Um. And I just think that I don't have the answers. Because the thing, the, the horrible, heart-sinking things people said in the DMs about having to still see their rapist in classrooms, in gyms, them losing friends because their friends didn't believe them or didn't want to lose their friendship with that person's rapist. I mean, the, the, the way that people have talked about having changed the way they live their life. For someone to say, I don't drink anymore, so I don't get roofied and assaulted. I mean, this is affecting the way people live deeply. And this is just a small pocket of people because I think if you ask most women, they could give you a story because there's 97% of us will be able to give you a story. Yeah. And we could probably give you multiple stories of our friends and our friends, friends. Everyone knows someone. And yeah. so this is felt preachy or like a rant or us getting on our soapboxes. You know what? Fine. I'll stand on my fucking soapbox and scream into the void because I am no longer willing to be silent. 
And I want to take back that power that sometimes I feel like I lose when trying, when living as a woman. And I just feel so angry right now. And every time I try to, usually I really like to bring it home on the podcast with some like action item or some cute little bow because this is supposed to be happy and this is supposed to be a learning space, but I'm angry. I'm so angry. Yeah, and I wish you could see the tears kind of welling in Jess's eyes because obviously this is an emotional topic for both of us. Um, and it was kind of difficult for us to talk about this as well. Um, and I wish we had a solution. I wish, I, I kind of agree with Jess, I wish we could send you home with like, hey, talk talk to your guy friends, but like, why is the onus on us? You know, it's why. <laughs> like I guess the, what, I'll, what I'll kind of say is my, is that I feel really lucky to be surrounded by strong, powerful women in all walks of my life. Ones who trust me to tell their stories through the podcast, ones who defend me in spaces I'm not in, ones who stand up. And I, and I also applaud my male friends who have stood up in situations where they're going to get shit for being a pussy. And there are women around the world who are not as lucky as we are to be able to speak our minds and scream into that void and put it on the internet for someone else to listen to. Like, we're lucky. If we're going to compare female inequality in the world, oh, we're the fucking luckiest. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop fighting and that does not mean that I'm going to just accept this, that this one in five statistic will be forever because that's not, that's not what I want for my friends. That's not for what I want for my future children. That's, that is not a, something I am comfortable just living in because we've ignored this problem for too long. And with all the things that are happening in this world consistently, you know, to minority groups, to different parts of the LGBTQ community, to women, we we cannot be silent. This is we need to. My mom keeps saying when it comes to politics, when it talk, comes to continuing to change the world, you have to keep your foot on the gas. You cannot stop. I'll never stop. I will scream on this soapbox, and some days my soapbox, I'll get a fucking bigger soapbox because I am not stopping, and I. I do not care what nasty names you call me behind my back. And if you think that I'm some, you know, if you call me a bitch behind my back, power to you. I'll put I'll tattoo bitch on my forehead. That gets change coming because change is going to come and we are strong women in this world and it's going to come. Absolutely. We got, we just got, we got to do better. Um. I think that kind of wraps it up nicely. Jess's soapbox. Yeah, I'll put at her at the end. I'll give her a little dusting. <laughs> um, but we, I think I'm really feel really lucky to have a space to talk about this. Um, and so for all those who listen to this, I appreciate you listening, and I hope whoever you are out there 
that this is a conversation you can bring to your table and that you can have with your friends, regardless of gender, whoever it is. And if you can think about, I hope you think about it. And I think that's it. Um, pretty miserable. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> At Sorry Robin Podcast. I was like, don't go through the spiel. <laughs> and if you want to come be a guest and get fired up with us, we would absolutely adore and love to have you. Um, but thank you for listening. I think we both very much appreciate it. I was just going to say that. We appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs>